Look, you can use lemons to make lemonade, or you can squeeze them into your eyes. Your choice. Everybody, this is my normal voice saying hello and welcome to ADD Masterminds. I am John Howie and I am here with Theosaurus Rex. Hello, everyone. I hope you are having a good day. Whatever day you're listening to this. Preferably during the day, not at night, so you don't fall asleep. So, we've both gone pee. And so we should be able to do this entire episode without having to get up. Oh, my. Okay, there you go. I can say that, right? I don't know if you're supposed to. Oh. Um, is this a Christian podcast? Yeah. Do I have to mark this as explicit? Yes, definitely mark it as explicit. <laughs> hey, so I, you... you, uh, <clears throat> you tweeted me like something about pp island you mean the best island in the world that just (laughs) happens to be in canada how does this how did this happen i got there's an go yo you go ahead you know more apparently there's an island somewhere in canada probably the only thing that has better than america (laughs) and it's called pp island and it's just it's this island and it's just called pp i don't know anything about it so do you have any like input or words of wisdom about this as a Canadian? I've got nothing, but if you guys Google Newfoundland, there's some crazy names for places. Some that I will not repeat on this podcast. Christian podcast. Mm-hmm. Are they better than PP Island? Um you know what? one could say funnier. Yeah, yeah that works. It's up there. Yeah. I wonder what it smells like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what 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 kind of liquid is PP Island right in the middle of? <laughs> oh man! And here comes the PJ. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, hey. So, um, it's funny. Uh, I was talking to my son, and um, he was talking about like his favorite, you know, singer. His favorite singer is Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. Um. And his his brother, you know, had said, well, I thought your favorite singer was, you know, Freddie Mercury from Queen. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, Freddie Mercury is the best singer, but my favorite singer is Billy Joe Armstrong. And it kind of got me thinking about how the best is not always the favorite. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have things that are our favorite, and they don't have to be the best. just that we like it better for whatever reason yeah exactly and i think like hmm. i i kind of use it as a teachable moment 
um, to tell my kid about, like, you know, talk to them about potential spouses, right? And how, like, when you meet someone, you know, like, there's the person that's right for you, and they may not be the best person in the world. Like, you're not going to need to look for, you're not supposed to look for the perfect, perfect person. But there's, like, what my favorite theologian, Rob Bell, says. um, There's something sublime about that person, something, some unique characteristics that are really attractive. I think that's the right definition of sublime. Um, And so there's a difference between best and favorite. And if your taste, if your favorite... Hey, Theosaurus Rex, do you guys get winter where you are? Yes. It is winter every morning from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Have you ever tried the Acme laser socks? No, it sounds dangerous. But how could it be dangerous from a place like Acme? (laughs) Exactly. Everything is tested and stuff. Yeah. So, anyways, right now you can get the Acme laser socks for 70% off. Um, I'm not sure what the regular price is, but it's a really good deal. So, go to the website now. What's the website again? Acme laser socks. Yeah, with an S. Okay, cool. I need to order for what size do they make them in dinosaur size? Yes. Oh, this is that's what I'm talking about with Acme. They're always inclusive of all different body types and species type, including extinct ones. Yes, the hard to find one. Acme is great. Yes, very good. And I I'd like to thank Acme for sponsoring this segment. I had to interrupt the last segment to do that Acme bit. Sorry, guys. Um, anyways, so so what I was saying is, like, if you only favor the things that are best all the time, you don't really have taste, do you? No. You're just basically, I guess, following the masses or following the critics. Well, we can see, especially with critics and, like, movies, how the best... You know, the best, the most acclaimed one isn't necessarily the the actual best. Like, what what are, like, the criteria that they're using to define it and that kind of thing? Because um, the Black Panther, which was a good movie, was not the best. If you look at, like, Lord of the Rings or anything, like some of those, a lot of other movies that people may argue are a lot better because they just have different criteria and stuff. But is it a, a well-made movie or whatever the case is? But then you also have with the best... The idea of, well, maybe it's the best that, like, especially with relationship, but he's the best guy I ever dated. Well, the, the, probably may not want to go with that person because all you've been dating are like drug dealers. Ooh. Bom, bom, bom. So, like, if it's relative, that's a problem too. Because yeah. you could do better than the best that you had. Interesting. Yes. Do you ever watch NCIS? Which one? Uh, there's like how like many? 40. Three? Yeah. Anyways, there was three when I stopped watching cable. But I was like thinking, I, I never really understood, like, how many crimes are there in the Navy, like Navy-related crimes, that they can have like three different shows about it? Three different shows, it just five seems, different cities, six different actors. It seems oddly specific. Yes. Crimes involving the Navy. All right, so on the ADD master list, this is another one that you added. Um, hot dogs or sandwiches and other facts that don't care about your feelings. 
as you are aware, we are huge uh-huh. fans of utterly destroying the opposition of people, whatever, whoever this opposition is. But it's utterly being utterly right. Destroyed. I mean, that's like the supervillain way. Yes, right. One hundred percent. Yeah. So I had I heard three things that blew my mind. Number one, hot dogs are sandwiches. Number two, cereal is soup. And number three, pop tarts <laughs> are ravioli. Boom. Uh, <laughs> Hard to argue with that. You can't. I've I've tried. I've looked at it every way, and you can't argue against it. Yeah, I'm cool with all that. I mean, you guys can like comment, you know, on our page on on uh, the Facebook or on Twitter. The Twitter, our Twitter page. There's no page. <laughs> there are no pages on Twitter. Yeah. A, but comment on our feed or whatever. You can tweet us um, if you want to argue, because I'd be happy to argue this with you. Because I don't really care. Like you can label whatever you want a sandwich. I don't care. Your bed is a sandwich. That is incorrect. Well, actually, <laughs> your sandwich changed teeth. Yes, okay. No. There we See, go. That even, is a fact. I didn't even think about that one, and it yep. worked. That's crazy. All right. Hey, so I'm, I'm reading this book um, by this guy named Tom Greentree, who um, he was somebody I met when I was in college. Um, I think I talked before about how um, I presented this, like, what I thought was a brilliant vision for like my band, Theophilus, which means lover of God. And I brought it to him and he looks at me, he's like, okay, well that's all well and good, but what about loving others? And I was like, dang. And it's like been over what, probably, I don't know if it's 20 years, but it's probably 15 years since then. I've been thinking about that. I've been still chewing on that. And so this guy wrote a book, and it's about influence. It's about um, character and influence and integrity. And um, so far, I think I'm only a couple chapters in, and I'm like, this is so intense. Um, But I I, I found a quote that I thought was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, He said, being fully human is about flourishing and integration of our relationship with God, which is spirituality, our relationship with others, which would be like your marriage, your family, your friends, your community, our relationship with the world, which would include earth, animals, work, art, music, culture, and our relationship with ourselves, which would be mental, physical, emotional, creative, and personal vitality. So I'm just going to state this again, like kind of briefly. Um, relationship with God, others, the world, and ourselves. To be fully human, you need to integrate all of those fully. And um, so what he did with his family is he felt like his relationship with the world was something that was lacking. And so he moved his family to a farm. And it's like so you can develop like that naturalist intelligence. Mm. You're actually working with your hands, working in the dirt and all that, right? Right. And um, I just thought that was an interesting concept. Um, I know for me... I would say my relationship with God and my relationship with myself is something that I've probably focused on more than anything else. And relationship with others, I think, is something I need to get better at. And relationship with the world, I I guess if you consider art, music, and culture, yeah, yeah. Where, Where do you think you would line up with this? 
I'm I'm looking at the I don't think this was on the ADD master list earlier today. I no, have time it wasn't. to pre-study. But uh let's see. Um relation with God, I think I've definitely focused on that. And others have been really focused on trying to do that, especially with family and friends. Community can be iffy. Cause you know, what is what yeah. is a community type thing? You know, is it just like your whatever? Um relation with the world is interesting, art and music. But see, I think I might put the world more with creativity and that kind of thing. Then our I think though sometimes we may focus on especially when you're going through really difficult times, we may focus a little bit too much on ourselves and I like the fact that he throws in things that are both positive and could be, you know, somewhat could be negative if you focus on it too much. That's a very interesting mm. quote. Um, yeah. Well, how do you, Maybe this is something we need to throw up on the ADD Masterminds page yes. and just see if people can comment on it. But then part of me is also like I got red flags with we need to focus on our relationship with the earth. And animals are like, hmm. We don't get into politics here. No. But I think, like, even without getting into politics, I think there's a certain level of, um, I guess, stewardship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the fact that, like, even just being in nature, like, I don't think that's even a political thing to say that we should be connected to nature somehow and take a break from city life or office life and get out and... um, Connect with God's creation. Yes. Because it's really the way he created us was, you know, he created us to walk, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be out there, right? So well, there's, there's, and I mean, this is a lot, you know, a lot of this is about how to be a fully healthy human being, because I think it's very easy for us to neglect our relationship with ourselves even, yeah, right? Because you can easily get into this, well, oh no, I'm all about God and my relationship God. with others. And going out into my community, and you forget about like taking care of yourself right. mentally. You're not processing anything, right? And there's all kinds of things we need to process and take the time, and that's why we need Sabbath, mm-hmm. right? One thing, and so following up that on like two side point, um, I, one of the things that I I work on, I work at like these retreat type things, and they're always more sequestered, and um, so they're always up in the mountains or far away from civilization. And this past time, we were in this one place that had a giant lake, like, right outside the windows. And so, since I wasn't sitting part of the conference the entire time, I would just go out there and sit and just sit and just, right, sit looking at the lake and everything. And it was just really nice to kind of be away from everything and be able to hear the, the birds chirping and see all that kind of stuff. And that's really cool. And so, um, I have, uh, so yes, point on that. Then, second thing. I think the focusing on the mental aspect of ourselves can sometimes be stigmatized because like, oh, I have to focus on my mental stuff, meaning that there's something mentally deficient with me. And so I had a friend that he recently started going to counseling and um, he was in a relationship and he realized, wow, I am a people pleaser. You know, long story short, I'm a people pleaser and I am saying yes so much that like, and I'm trying to make my girlfriend happy. I'm doing all this kind of stuff. And, you know, we're spending six out of our seven days together, and I need time for myself to be able to to relax and to, you know, decompress and all this kind of stuff. And But I'm afraid that if I say anything like, hey, 
can we maybe not hang out on Thursday and Friday? Then she's going to think that I hate her, and then she won't feel loved and appreciated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but she, he would he had been yeah. staying away from like going to a counselor or thinking about like his the mental stuff in years because he saw that it's kind of a negative thing. Like, oh, I need help. I'm I'm a you know I'm not a you might be like part of toxic masculinity in some ways. Like, I'm not I'm not a man if I have to go and get help with something like this. I should just be able to get over it. You know. Oh man. Yeah, you know, it's funny, um, I work in the oil industry, and um, I was talking with one of the safety people there, and he works with suicide prevention in his spare time. It's like, really wants to help people. And um, one of the things that he's been kind of pushing, you know, with these people that work out in the oil field is uh, tough enough to talk. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is, I like that because that appeals to masculinity. And it's like, real men talk. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's that's a cool take on yeah. that. I like that. And like for my friend, it wasn't as much of a like, you know, I don't know if I can talk about it. Talk about this. It was a, I have to be strong enough to, you know, I need to like put her ahead of me and that kind of thing. You know, I need to be the one you just, right. And so it was almost out of like noble intentions. But in some yeah. ways, oh, I sure. also think that's part of like the whole idea, like actual toxic, toxic masculinity, and the whole thing of being tough enough to talk. And it's like sometimes, you know, real sacrifice is saying, "Hey, I, uh, I, I need to express myself and talk about my feelings about this or whatever." It is. It is really difficult though to push people away for your own sake. And like you know, if it's someone that you love, it's somebody you want to spend the rest of your life with. It's. Um, difficult to explain why that person needs to be a dosage person for you. Right. Right. It's like, well, if you're going to spend the rest of your life with her, you should be able to be around her all the time. Yeah. But it's like, I, I think, you know, it's, what do they call it? I, I know some people who, you know, there were, there was some uh, marriage counseling um, I heard about um, where they, they said you have to tend your own garden before returning to your spouse. Mm. And so it's like this idea that we all have a garden and you need to be a complete person. I I think that's the big thing with marriage to begin with is that we're always like our world kind of says that person will complete you. Yeah. But it's like, no, no, no. You need to be a complete person. She needs to be a complete person. And together, as complete people, you can join together and become one. Yes. Which is weird because it's like one plus one, well, plus God equals one. One plus one plus you know? one. And it's one. like, what? right. Yeah. And it's like, and so you do need to be a complete person. And it's not about that person completing you yeah. because they are going to let you down and you're going to be less than a complete person all the time. Right. And so there is, you know, marriage counseling that actually says tend to your own garden before returning to your spouse, which I'm like, that's really interesting. Yeah, because if you can't, you know, and even one of the things that, and they ended up breaking up shortly after he started expressing himself and stuff. But one of his things uh-huh. was, you know, I, I want to, I need to be able to have time for myself so that I can recharge so that I can give you, you know, 100% of who I am. And with us going so yeah. much and me not being able to recharge, I'm just operating at 50% all the time. And that's not fair to you. And it's not fair to me. So it's the whole thing of tending to your own garden is very important. But then you also have the thing of people go to the extreme and then you never see the person. 
And it's just one of those things that with any kind of Definitely. relationship, you have to have that balance where you. Oh, and it's tough. You, it is tough because you do have your own things. Right. Right. And it's like, um, you find somebody and you have your commonalities, but not everything's in common. Like I don't want to watch NCIS. Right. right. And so if my partner's totally into NCIS, it's like, okay, cool. You can watch that. I'm going to go play NHL 18. We good. <laughs> right? a very Canadian thing of you to say. Oh man. It's so good. I'm like on season, I'm on 2027. Wow. So I, I started in NHL 2018, mm-hmm. and now I'm in the year 2027. It's kind of cool because I've got like generations of players going wow. on, and and I'm always like thinking, oh, I need to have a new young guy to replace this old guy, and this guy's getting too expensive, and I just love the whole GM thing. But anyways, I don't think we talk sports on this podcast. Oh, either. I don't know. What about Greedy? I know. Jeff's not a big sports oh. guy, so... But anyways, it's all fake fake uh, players at this point anyways. Um, you know, when you get that many years into it, it's like so many players have retired and the computer generates new yeah. players, right? And so I actually thought it would be hilarious to do a segment on that because when I listen to like something like Power, what is it, Money and Power podcast, mm-hmm. um, and they start talking about like football, <laughs> I'm like, and a lot of Canadians do like football. I'm a Canadian that doesn't. I just like hockey. Mm-hmm. And so when you start talking football, you might as well be talking about your fake team on NHL 18. Like, Is that because it was made anyways. in America? Wait, wait, are you talking because about football made or in America? football? Football. Okay. Yeah, but same thing with football. I, I, I don't watch it either, so I'm like, I wouldn't really know what you're talking about. So. What about like during the World Cup? I did watch it once. The only time I've ever watched it was the year that that guy headbutted the other dude. Oh. Yeah. The only time I've ever watched the Super Bowl was the day that Janet Jackson had her little thing. So I I don't know. They're not all like that, I promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, F for Lifeway. I don't even know what That's that means. That's pretty sad. Hey, guys, go ahead and let's put an F in the chat for, for John. Okay, there we go. Now that that was that okay, we're good. So uh, Lifeway is closing all of its stores in 2019, right? And um, a big thing in internet culture is like they they do live streams and stuff like that. And so what you do is you say put an F in the chat, um, <clears throat> and what that means is, hey, we're sorry about this. You know, this is my condolences or whatever the case is, and. Um, because it's easy to type in there, and then it gets good like um, metrics and numbers. Oh, there's a lot of interaction at this part, et cetera. So you put an F in the chat. And so Christianity Today tweeted, breaking Lifeway, and they tag Lifeway, we'll be closing all their stores this year. So a dude goes in there, and we may put this on the thing. I don't know what we're going to do. But he, said, he puts just F. <clears throat> then Lifeway responds to that and says, thank you for paying your respects. They are well received. They don't respond to anything <laughs> else except for that one. And I think it's awesome that they are being, that's one of those things where it's like, they're not trying too hard to be relevant, but yet obviously someone knows what they're doing who's running their Lifeway Twitter. And I think... So yeah, they, that's impressive because I didn't know that. There you go. See, as we guys are going to put F in the chats for John. I'm too old. Too Maybe. Old. I think I'm older than you. Mm, challenge accepted. Okay, so um, depending on which scientist you listen to, I'm like... Millions of years old. 
<laughs> or on 6,000. It all just kind of depends. Oh, I keep forgetting. Mm -hmm. All right. You win. Yes. Hey, so um, Skajitani's a guy I really like. I don't know if you've ever heard him. But uh, he's on the Phil Vischer pod. Actually, sorry, it's called the Holy Post podcast. It used to be Phil Vischer's podcast. The Veggie Tales dude, yeah. Anyways, um, he talked about how there are people who look at the Bible as a manual. Um, and he said that it's better to see the Bible as a window through which you see everything else. Hmm. Which I thought was a really interesting concept. But I thought Bible meant basic instructions before leaving Earth. <laughs> before leaving Earth. Yeah. This sounds like a jo Jones kind of... No, so I shouldn't joke about the Kool-Aid people. But you know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> sounds a little morbid. No, it means when we get raptured. Back in the day, I you got to have rapture practice or you didn't go to real children's church. Everybody hide under the desk. Jesus no. is coming. I don't know. <laughs> no, he's not an active shooter. No, it is. You would go in there and you would like get on like the front part of the stage and you jump up as high as you could. And they called it rapture practice. I didn't realize wow, that's hard what was happening until like, you know, I was like 15. I was like, oh, rapture. It's rapture practice. Actually practicing for the rapture. It didn't make any sense why people are jumping up there. Because Man, like our upbringings are so weird. Yeah. Sword drills were pretty cool, though. I always won. Anyways, I, I guess sorry, what it is, is like, I, I do think that we need to see the Bible as a window through which, like a lens that we're going to see um, everything through. Yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense, you know, when we approach like real life situations and it's like, so how do I see this through a biblical lens? Yes. Um, and I know like, something I'm continuing to work at is like before I read anything I've got to read the Bible every morning when I get up because I, that's the lens I need to be seeing everything through so I think Sky Jatani's right on that I think that there's something rigid about seeing the Bible as a manual and it's it's interesting to me how a lot of times people will say well that's not possible because the bible doesn't say it yeah but it could be something that's right in front of their eyes that's really happening right and is dangerous and you're so out of touch with what's going on because your reading of the bible says that what's going on in front of you can't really happen and so it's so hard to connect in the with the world that mm -hmm. way Anyways, well, I think I, also that uh, when you look at it like a manual, a manual is, instructs you how to do, you know, everything specifically in that situation, right. right? It doesn't give you the instructions for like, well, okay, so you do, when A happens, do B, C, and D, right? But it doesn't say when A, B, C, and D happens, then this is how you generally respond. And when you look at it like a window or whatnot, then you can look at things that disagree or that go against you know, what the Bible says, and you can still look at it and say, okay, isn't interesting, and here's how I can respond to this, or, you know, here is sin A, and now, as a Christian, and this is what, how Jesus would respond to this, so I need to do the same thing, as opposed to, well, I know this is a sin, therefore, blah, 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 and it doesn't Ooh. help you as much in that situation, but looking at it as a window, or as a, a worldview, or as a lens, or something to look through it, then you can, um, it really helps. 
All right. Hey, I had something I put on the list that was about prophecy, and I just realized what it was. So I think this fits in nicely. Um, I was questioning on my Facebook feed a while back, what is the point of prophecy? Mm -hmm. And I didn't really get very many good answers. Sorry, Facebook friends, but you guys just were not that good. What about that phone guy? (laughs) I don't even remember if he responded. That's very sad. Yeah. I don't think Jeff responded either. So Sorry for abandoning or, you. And sorry for derailing it. Back to the point. My bad. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. So, um, and I mean, the reason why I ask that is because people have a tendency to think that there's a prophecy. So then they go and tell everybody, oh, this is going to happen. Like, I remember there was a prophecy a while back that, Bruce Willis would become a Christian. I don't think that's happened yet. Um, and so, you know, stuff like this, you blab it, and then it. when it actually happens, you can look smart, yeah. right? Is that? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not the point of prophecy. And it gets to a point where people will say things like that to express, you know, to explain decisions they make that are like just ridiculous, right? right? Or when you're backing a certain person and saying, like, this is the person, you know, that God has chosen, you know, for pastor, for whatever, right? And it's like, okay, you don't really know that. And so, anyways, so um, one of the pastors at our church was um, preaching, um, and he used this illustration from a C.S. Lewis book, and I cannot recall which book it was, but... um, there was a situation where there was this man that had said, no matter what I say, do not untie me. I'm going to be tied to this chair. No matter what I say, do not untie me because I am just going to go crazy. There's a curse on mm-hmm. me that falls on me for one hour. And during that hour, I'm going to want to get out of the ch- chair, but I am going to be dangerous to you guys if you let me out. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the kids, you know, were like, okay, we won't. And so he's pleading with them, please, please untie me, you know, when when the curse hits or whatever, right? But the funny thing is, is that when he then at some point says, in the name of Aslan, let me go, right? Right. And the moment he says that, the people that were not going to untie him recall that Aslan had said they will meet a person that says in the name of Aslan and you need to do what they say. And what was really going on here was that this guy was under a curse 23 hours a day and there was one hour where he was not under the curse. So it was the opposite of what he was saying. And because of the prophecy, they knew right in that moment when to do the counterintuitive thing. And I was like, that, that is the purpose of prophecy. And so this is where that biblical lens is so important. Because now we're here in this real-life situation, and there is a prophecy, there is a word from God in Scripture that will tell you when to do that counterintuitive thing. Mm-hmm. 
And that counterintuitive thing will be the wisest thing you could possibly do in that situation. Oh, no, I'm whispering. It's amazing how that came together after the lens thing. Yeah. Like, I just was surprised. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, okay, so... I'm um, thinking which book that is now, because it's obviously in the um, Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Silver... Something? Oh, the silver chair. Not silver chair. Maybe it was silver chair. Maybe. That makes sense, because it was a chair. I yeah. I think so, you know, I think... Made of silver. It, oh. Maybe. You guys can fact check that for me. Okay. I'm not going to fact check it. Yeah, I was reading this book by, I believe it's Jared Wilson... And I really like what he said here. He said, so Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. And yet, according to Ephesians 2.8, even this faith is a gift from God. So like we, there's kind of schools of thought, right? There's a school of thought. Like if you talk about like really the name it, claim it kind of, mm-hmm. you know, area of school of thought is like if you have enough faith miracles will happen and it's like if you're dying of cancer it's just you didn't have enough faith right and it's like no like what it's saying is without faith it's impossible to please god but there's a scripture that says faith is a gift from god and so what jared wilson says is it's as if god is saying you need faith to please me here have some faith yes that's awesome isn't that amazing it's almost like God gives us exactly what we need. Like he makes mm-hmm. it so easy. Or it's like, here, you need to, I need a blood sacrifice and I need someone who lives a perfect life. Here's Jesus. And I need mm-hmm. you to someone to have faith. Here, have more faith. Like, so all we have to do is ask for it or take it or reach out and accept it. Right. And it's just, he makes it so easy for us. And I feel like it's that. It's just one of those things, you know, he's a loving father that loves us and wants what's best for us and wants us to be with him and to, to be able to love him. But he also knows that we are flawed creatures and we can't, we can't live up to that standard that he wants, but he, he does it for us and then allows us to take yeah, from isn't there. It, it's so crazy and so hard to understand, but you live it and it's like you learn it as you live it, yeah. right? Like it's like, oh, so this is how this works. Right. And it's kind of in a way, like, that really just goes to, like, you know, parents, they'll go in there and, like, it's, there's no way that, um, you know, it might be something where they say, hey, you know, you can't, you can't have dessert until you clean your room. And they might go in there right. and, like, pre-clean the room for the kid because the kid doesn't know any, you know, significantly better or whatever the case is. And they, they make it easy for the, for the child to succeed. But then, of course, then the child will go in there like, I got it on my own. I'm good. I don't need you anymore. And I just think that's kind of how we, we live with stuff. And, it, and, you know, what I've been thinking a lot about thematically from the Bible is that God hates arrogance. He hates pride. Like, pride and arrogance are, like, the worst things you can be. Right. Because when you're prideful and you're arrogant, you don't need God. And so it's like pursuing humility, pursuing, you know, this understanding of how great God is and how 
you know, learning how to submit to him, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's interesting to me how there's so many ways to become arrogant. There's so many ways to become prideful. And it's like, we have like schools of theology that become arrogant and prideful. Yes. Like how messed up is that? And I'm not going to single out which schools of theology, but you see them rear their ugly head. I think any school of theology can be become right. prideful and arrogant. I agree. And it's we just it's it's when we buy too much into man's models versus reality versus what God actually presents to us. I think that makes sense. And they um And when when we do that which we're not supposed to do as Christians and we go and we separate and cord- and and separate ourselves and then label other people and then do all this other kind of stuff. We create divisions. Ooh. Sorry. Uh, we create divisions within Christianity to, um, which is the exact opposite of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be unified, you know, in Christ. Right. And we go in there and we create these divisions and then we, we live by our divisions. And um, we, and so it's just, and it's, I think it's impossible to not end up thinking you're better than somebody else when you divide and separate yourself from them. Yeah. Exactly. Because the way you do things is obviously better. Or else you wouldn't be doing them. And then it just it just it just spirals out of control. So I mean, I think this goes back to and I don't know if I've talked about this on ADD Masterminds, but it's like one of Jordan Peterson's rules for life, one of his twelve rules for life is assume every person you meet knows something that you don't. Ooh, that's smart. How's that for a lesson about humility? I think that's very wise coming from the future Canadian Prime Minister. <laughs> it's too bad most people see him as like... Anyways, we don't get political. We're not getting political. But what I, I think we can go in the sense that... I think if we do that, even if it's not true, um, I think it's... If we just assume that, I think it would be really good. Now, completely the opposite of what I'm saying. Well, not really the opposite. But one of the things that I love so much about some of my friends who maybe haven't, who weren't raised Christian or who, who haven't been Christians very long is they have such a unique view on Christianity. And um, this whole point, you know, I know that you said you'd read it from someone or something like that, but I think this is cool how God works. Um, this is a point that one of my friends had talked to me with me about like 15 years ago um, when we were, when we were becoming friends, you know, back in the day and all that kind of stuff. Um, because he was really struggling with the whole idea of without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he is a very, you know, um, he was, he was an atheist and he really struggled with the whole idea of, I don't, what's, I, I, I can't have faith because faith is believing in something that doesn't, I don't have any evidence for. And I need evidence. And he really struggled with that whole thing. And then he said, then he was reading through. And remember, he sent me a text. And that was back when texts cost money. But he was like, he's like, hey, look, this is, here's Ephesians 2.8. You know, um, faith is a gift from God. And then, oh, yeah. and over here it says, without faith it is impossible. God gives us exactly what we need to be able to um, to please him. This is so awesome. And he was just so excited. Oh, that's and, so um, and it's so cool. But if I had been like, you know, if I said, oh, well, I've been a Christian, you know, all my life, and you've just been a Christian the past year. Ha, ha, ha. You're so silly. 
yeah. you know, but that's a beautiful thing that I hadn't thought of because that having faith, you know, I, I understand, you know, that faith is based on some evidence and stuff like that. It's not like a leap in the dark. And, but because I didn't come from that point of view, if I had just instantly written him off and looked at him as a project for me to help disciple and stuff like that, as opposed to someone who is equal with me and has stuff that he can teach you because he came from a different yeah. perspective, then it, I, don't, I don't know that he would have shared that with me, in which case I would have, wouldn't have learned about that until today. I legit so, believe I can learn something from every person I encounter. Yeah. I mean, there's just... And it, it, it'd be arrogant for me to believe otherwise. Like, it's... You know what I mean? Like, it's like, right. oh, well, that guy... <laughs> that guy that I talk to on Facebook that, like, just says the dumbest things to me every time mm-hmm. I post. I'm like, you know who you are. I, I could learn from him, I hate to say. I need to learn how to learn how to learn from him. So yes. Or her. And, or oh! It. Actually, <laughs> three day. things down on the thing is one of those... Um, is an example of something where I had, I, we disagree on so much stuff, but then we actually, anyway, we'll get to that later on. Maybe. I don't know. All right. You want to talk about uh, Mormons, Catholics, and Baptists? Yes. They're all divisions of terribleness and they should all be thrown into hell. Next slide. Hey. That is not actually my thought. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So. I have a bunch of friends who are all different, you know, sects of Christianity, cults, whatever you want to call them, different religions. And um, one of my groups of, or one of my, a couple of friends that I have that I love to death, they're Mormons. And we got to go into, they actually moved over to Germany, um, but they were doing a, redoing a temple. And whenever, so Mormons, you can't get into their temples unless they're opening a new one or they've totally redesigned one. And um, so we got to go into one of the temples that they had redesigned here in Atlanta. Uh And um, it's always been a really cool experience and everything. So, but they actually built a new one out in Italy and they, they put on YouTube and they went through the whole tour of everything. And it is just amazing how beautiful the temple is and how amazing Mm. um, just all the little details that they put into things and like, okay, well, around the thing where they baptize people, there are 12 bulls and it's represented from blah, 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 blah. Catholics, a lot of the Catholic churches are the same way. They're really ornate and they're beautiful. And you step in there and you feel the majesty of God and it's just like, whoa, yeah. kind of puts you in a mood. Then you go into Baptist churches, especially down south, Southern Baptist churches. And, you know, may, maybe there there's some pews from like 60 years ago donated <laughs> by someone. And it's just totally different. But the people there are, and you have, people, you have kids running around and stuff like that. And it's just, it really got me thinking about the whole thing of, because with the Mormons, you have to be um, you have to be in good standing um, with your church and your pastor, or uh, I don't know what they call them. I think they call them priests. But it has to yeah. vouch for you before you can go into the temple. Right. With Catholics, you know, you can still go to mass as a sinner, and you just need to go to confession. With Baptists, they don't even care. You know, you but you can't be part of it unless you you've gone through certain stuff. You can't be a member of the church and make decisions and whatnot. But so I say all that to say, I think. Sometimes, and I guess this kind of goes in the whole thing with comparing ourselves to other people and who has the best way and stuff like that. But um, I think it's beautiful that, like, especially with the Catholics and the Baptists, that you can have those two kind of opposite ideas of what a house of worship should be like. Yeah. And I think we can learn a lot of stuff from the different things. And I think it's good for people to go to different denominations to learn how different denominations work with things. 
But yeah. also, I think sometimes um, we go a little bit too extreme. And there's one church that's by us, and they built a, um, you know, it was a $1.5 million thing, and all, their, all the wood in the place is made from mahogany, and um, and that's to, to um, identify the strength of the Scripture, and the pastor is nine feet above the eye level of the congregation to show that the Word <laughs> is supposed to be spread forth from there, and the colors are all red to represent the crimson blood of Christ, and the all, and it's all this other kind of, and it's just like, okay, okay, this is ridiculously pretentious. But when the Mormons do it, I'm like, yes, this is really cool. Or the Catholics, I'm like, yes, this is awesome. But um, I say all that to say that uh, then you go into the thing of, could $1.5 million have been spent on, like, money given to the poor or whatever the case is? And so I want or to saving get the your, environment, right? Yeah, saving the environment. <laughs> and a lot of, there's an, actually a thought that argues that helping people out of poverty will help the environment, um, whether it be in third world countries or whatever the case, but that's the, the assignment. But it's just the whole idea of like, what better could that money have gone to versus the, also the, Hey, look, when I'm in this place, I feel extra reverent. And it's, it's something that God deserves. He deserves the best that we have. And so it's yeah. kind of that balance. So I wanted to kind of figure the, and throw that by you and Steve kind of, where do you kind of land on that? And what do you think? Well, I think, you know, like in a in a modern church, too, um, I know like creative arts is such a big thing where I go to church and um, they want to put a lot of resources into making this church, you know, aesthetically pleasing and put together a service that will attract artists because they want to foster like worship through the arts yeah. and encourage artists to come to our church, right? right? And so I it's funny because part of me is skeptical about this because I'm like can we just go back to the basics and just yeah. introduce people to Jesus? But you know what's crazy is like even though our, you know, music is polished, our preachers, mm-hmm. you know, the preaching is polished too. There's still like such a strong you know, presence of God and the teaching is inspiring. I mean, it's like what I was saying about the prophecy and all that. I was just like, wow, that's an epiphany. And I'm getting that like every Sunday. So I'm like, as much as I'm kind of like, I wonder what house church would be like. It'd be less distracting with all this majestic, you know, and and that's what we right. see in those in those churches, right, is that they have these traditions and they have these emblems and they have... And those are things that are that have purpose behind them. That's a reminder. Um, and I I think you know have to be careful of idolatry because there's a point where emblem becomes idolatry. Yeah. And so it, it's kind of finding that line. And I know for me, I'm I'm always constantly like checking that. Right. And so yeah, I, I wouldn't say that like uh, uh you know I don't know if seeker friendly is the right term. Um, because I, that term sounds shallow to me. Like, it's like, oh, we're just for baby Christians all the time. Yeah. Baby. But there is a certain level of seeker friendliness, super friendliness, seeker friendliness <laughs> to, to the approach that they're taking. Right. Um, right. to grow this church and bring in, you know, a younger crowd and all this stuff where it's like, we don't want, we want people to come in and feel welcome and, and be drawn in by, you know, the aesthetic beauty Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's more of a modern version of what 
you know, the Catholic Church has or, um, you know, that Baptist Church you were talking about too, right? Like, right. it's kind of instilling that reverence in people. I, I am so torn, though, because I'm just like, we're channeling so much resources into this. And this, this is what I talk about in Chapter 1 of the Wax Museum book, um, which mm-hmm. is on the, on the page for thewaxmuseum.org. Um, nice plug. But um, yeah, um, that's, you know, talking about how we tend to channel so much of our resources into making the perfect Sunday celebration. But what are we doing in our day to day to worship God? What are we do? You know, how, do, how does that look? And I, I just think that's such an interesting, like, can we have both? <laughs> right. Do we yeah. want to have both, right? Because I, I, I think that it's easy for our Sunday celebration to be everything. And then during your week, you're just kind of forget about God. And then Sunday's a reminder again. So I didn't really answer your question. But it's all good. I think it was, <laughs> it's the whole the ADD thing. <laughs> yes. Look, squirrel. Yay. I also think that it's... um. But it, it, I think really what it comes down to is that tension between the things. Definitely. So I think in some ways, in many ways, you did answer the question because we've got to go through because there is something about a house church that would be really cool. But then there's also something about going to like the church that you're going to where you're getting that, that word like spoken to you from there and you have those creative outlets. And then, but sometimes creative outlets could be bad. And then I think what happens is the church goes, ah, this creative thing, these people are just up there and they're distracting us. We're no, no more creativity coming from the church. Yeah. Right. No more people drawing up there because we're going to do this. And then because of that, they lose out on that aspect of it. And that all goes back to the original thing we were talking about. Boom. I have made it work. Mm. Maybe. Not really. Okay. <laughs> what we, we That takes us back to PP Island? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because it's PP the way that people deal with this stuff. Hey, so um, <laughs> one of the scriptures I've, I think about a lot is like the time when like Peter says to Jesus, he's like, no, Lord, you cannot be crucified. And then Jesus like comes back at him with like, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Which is like the freakiest thing. It's like he just kind of called him Satan. Did you? Are you Satan? Yeah. Yeah. But I was thinking about that. I was like, um, I actually was having a conversation with. Yeah. Oh, no. You've lost it. Come back. Sorry. Distracted. Okay. Anyways. So I, I was thinking, you know, like, it'd be cool to have, you know, a friend to tell me, get behind me, Satan, when I'm talking crazy. Wow. So, so far, like, yeah, ladies don't like saying that, apparently. I could see not. It might be seen as being arrogant. It wouldn't really be fair for me to ask my kids to say that to me, so maybe I just no. need a good friend that'll do it. Just wait. When you walk into heresy land, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Don't trip on my tail. Yeah. I yeah. Anyways, I just think it'd be funny to add that to our vernacular. I think we we don't take enough of what Jesus says, like some of those little quips and stuff like that. I wonder, like I think sometimes we may like way over um like we, we way over holify them for lack of a better term because it's Jesus saying it. Um my same friend who I talked about before, there's a verse in scripture where it talks about where Jesus is like, hey, if you don't got a sword, 
go out and go buy one. Yeah. And Peter's like, yes, Lord, I got four right here. <laughs> yeah. And then Jesus is like, no, that that's, that's enough, Peter. That's, and I just, too and many part, swords. Yeah. I've read about it's like, that. What are you, uh, people were talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, whereas a lot of people are like, that's enough. And then people are like, especially down here in the, in South America, in the south of America, it's like, yeah, South America. you got to go out and get guns. And, the, and you yeah. have, like, seven guns, because that's what Jesus wants you to do. Yeah. And um, But no, it's like, no, 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 guys, that, that's enough. Just, just stop, Peter. Just quit. So I wonder if he, how he said, get behind me, Satan. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. I know, it's just such an interesting phrase, but I think it, yeah. that would get my attention. It's like, yes, oh, it's, hold on a second. I'm not Satan. It's like, where oh, did you, you know, like just say, you know, stupid things you say sometimes. It's like, well, I just feel like nobody likes me at work. Get behind me, Satan. Lots of people <laughs> like you. Oh, I need to start. Okay. I'm going to start doing that at work. I'll let you know how it works. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a very good bass player. Get behind me, Satan. You're doing well. Anyways, hey, Woo. so um, you wanted to talk about the femininity of God. Femininity. Yes. So I am, I'm back on the Twitter. Yeah. I think the source direct. And um, I, was, uh, I was talking, this is one of those things where it talks about like, the window versus the manual thing. And um, there is this a popular person on there who's like, I don't know, I think everyone who uses, who's afraid to use feminine words, and, and dress God as a feminine is, is a misogynist, blah, 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 blah. And so I'm over there, like, doing my, my Theos vs. Rex thing in there. And I ended up talking with this one individual who responded back in, like, a nice way. And I was like, oh, this is a, an intelligent person. Let us have a conversation. And we, and because, you know, my thing is, okay, I, I address God and Jesus and the Trinity and stuff like that in the male form because Jesus is obviously a male. He was born, you know, human and male, that kind of stuff. And um, God, he references as father and stuff like that. I also know that God in and of himself transcends gender. And um, so, and we just put, um, God exists in in one form and in this one way, and like the Trinity does. And we just see these these different traits and we ascribe, ascribe to them? Yes masculine and femininity based on the way that we interpret it right right and there's language in the bible where it's like when it talks about god taking um being like a um a, a bird that takes us under his wing and stuff like exactly. that it uses feminine things yeah and um so what we ended up coming to the conclusion was is when we talk about god the father and we talk about jesus definitely use the masculine terms definitely. but what should we do about the trinity in and of itself which the because and and this you get no trinitarian like ideas and all that kind of stuff and like what exactly is that et cetera et cetera et cetera, um, but that should we use gender neutral terms and a lot of people especially your more progressive people are using the term the divine mm. to kind of reference you know the trinity and God and to show that kind of gender neutral thing. So I wanted to uh, kind of think see what you thought about that. I'm not like I don't worry too much about it. <laughs> no, I'm like I, I, like I, I think it's silly for me to insist on using he all the time around people. Yeah. I honestly just think people are way too hung up on gender to begin with, mm-hmm. which I don't know if everybody agrees on that. But it's and so I mean, clearly there are feminine characteristics of God. So right. if somebody wants to go with they, like sure, 
whatever. I don't even know what you would use as a gender neutral term. But I, as a man, I don't need God to be a man because mm-hmm. I know he has motherly characteristics. And I think that we've really made... Well, he has characteristics that we associate with women. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, sorry. I, I think, you know, like we really made a mistake in how mm-hmm. we've tried to justify our brand of masculinity based on the Bible. Because yeah. there's like points where like, I think it's like the Apostle Paul says something like, yeah, we were like a nursing mother to you guys. And it's like, wow, that doesn't sound very manly, does it? Yeah. Right? And it's like, I, I think, um, I, I don't think that our desire to push traditional masculinity should get in the way of us you know, witnessing to people that are not traditionally masculine. Mm. I'll put it that way. And so, mm. I mean, for me, I, I don't really care. Like, I, okay. if someone referred to God as he all the time and they insist on it, that's fine. But when they're in mixed company and people are starting getting angry at them and getting offended, I think the, yeah. the gospel message is getting lost at that point. And then it'll yeah. start bothering me. Hmm. Okay. And so, and if, so if, we, if we take that line of thought, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is too un-ADD of this, but if we take that line of thought and then apply that to other aspects, where exactly do you draw the line in terms of, so let's, so let's take the, the idea of gender and stuff like that with God and all kinds of, let's take that situation out of it. So where do we do that in the sense of when we're sharing the gospel and we're saying like maybe like gospel truth about something and people are offended, you know, to where do we where we draw that line? We're like, okay, I don't want to offend you, but the gospel in and of itself is offensive. Yeah, I think, okay, so what is offensive about the gospel? Um, it's, it's interesting to me because people use that to justify being jerks, being jerks in the way that they share the gospel. So I think what's offensive about the gospel, I wish I would have spent more time thinking about this, but this, I'm going to say this right now. Here's my hot take. My hot take is what's offensive about the gospel is that it's asking me to lay down my pride. Okay. Interesting. And so if I'm being prideful in my um, exposition of the gospel, Mm -hmm. If I'm being prideful in that and that's what's offending the person, it's not the gospel itself that's offensive. It's my pride that's offensive. And pride is something God hates too, so he's not liking you right now anyways. Um, the prideful, though, who are like, well, I am a good person. And you're like, actually, you're not. That's offensive. Yeah. And that's the gospel. <laughs> so I I think that's where the gospel's offensive and it's offensive to me as the person who says I have all the answers when I'm trying to evangelize. I right. I think ev- evangelism is so difficult when you lay down your pride. Like how do you humbly tell someone you have the answer? Mm-hmm. And I think it's like you were saying with your friend you well, part of you is like no 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 it's this way and then you're like no i have to like hold off and let this guy figure it out and that yeah. took humility in order to do that and that is the proper way to share the gospel um i i yeah i think pride is the enemy of the gospel I would agree i think 
Yes. So if my pride is saying, no, I must say he all the time I'm talking about God, it's like, well, pride at this point is becoming the enemy of the gospel. Now, I mean, I'm not going to say that Jesus was a woman that walked the earth. Right. I don't know why Jesus was male. I, I don't think that Jesus would have been able to do a lot of the things he did within a society in that era if he mm-hmm. was female. That may be the only reason why Jesus was male. Yeah. It doesn't matter, though. I mean, all it is is Jesus died for my sins, and I'm not good enough on my own. And yeah. I humbly accept the gospel. I accept and I allow God to change me and form me into his image. And forming, allowing him to form me into his image requires that I recognize that God is going to teach me through even people I disagree with. Which is um, kind of the, the whole you know, overarching thing is the fact that if I had if I had just, you know, written this person off or decided to kind of troll or just, you know, not being willing to engage charitably with them yes. and um, just said, oh, well, this person is obviously is a libtard or whatever, you know, you want to say, or, oh, this person is not, or whatever, you know, go the opposite of whatever you are to that extreme, then you miss out on something. And I hadn't thought of like that whole thing of, well, the Trinity, you know, no, 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 I'd kind of stop, but then that person pushed me that one extra step. Wow. And so then I was like, hmm, the Trinity would be gender neutral, and therefore you could do that. So I just think it's um, it's cool. And I think then going in that, prompting you with the whole thing of, I do think that pride is the enemy of the gospel, whether it be pride on the, the receiving end of the gospel, of the person who's receiving the gospel and saying, hey, you know, you're a really terrible person, et cetera, et cetera. And like, no, I'm a good person. I don't have to do this. Or pride on the sense of the person who's giving it, like, yes, you are a terrible person. Unlike me, who is good, then you have that kind of that that balance. Wow, more balance. Just the thing for today. Um, balance, yes. Yes. This has been a fun episode. I think we're gonna stop there. Very cool. Um, thanks again for joining me. I'm sure we'll have Jeff back eventually. Maybe, or maybe. Yeah. Everyone, leave an F in the chat chat for Jeff. <laughs> leave an F in the chat. That is the title of this episode. Yes. Woo! Catch you guys on the flippity floppity. Toodaloo! One, two.
Master.